We're going to get started here. And everyone, this is Dan Sorensen. So we are going to start with Neil Reynolds. Hi, Dan. This is Neil from Sky Sports NFL in the UK. Um, maybe if we could start with your um, two-part question. Kind of the, co the, the confidence and form you guys feel you've been playing with as a defense uh, down the stretch. And then um, what the, what's the thought process when you face an offense that has so many weapons? Yeah, um, I think we, as a defense, um, like you said, we're playing um, some good football together. Um, and um, I think the Bucks are loaded with their skill positions. Obviously, it starts with the quarterback. Um, Tom Brady's the best at what he does. They've got good running backs um, that can run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, great tight ends. Um, and and receivers that, that, that can do um, – they can take you down – all the way down the field and, and are good at the, the, the other stuff too. So, um, yeah, it's a, it'll be a challenge um, and a challenge we're, we're willing to accept and um, we're going to do our best. Okay. Um, next up, we're going to go to Doug Farr. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for doing this. Um, let me ask you a two-parter. Coach Spagnuolo has talked about um, – getting players to grow in their roles as they can do more things and versatility is such a key part of your defense. And then what is the, how do you guys stop the run as well as you do playing as much dime as you do? Cause I think you're the third or fourth most dime in the league. It would seem counterintuitive to play that much six DB and still be able to stop the run as well as you guys do. Yeah. Our, our coaching staff does a great job of preparing guys in the roles that, that um, they have them have them play. And so, you know, a, a player like me that, that does um, get to come down and play in the box, um, you know, they do a great job of, um, you know, getting us the game plan and, and creating opportunities um, for us to be successful. Um, and so, again, our, our, we've got great coaches, top to bottom, Spags is, is, is um, as good as it gets, and as well as our, you know, the assistant coaches that he works with. Um, as far as getting us the game plan and getting us prepared, it's it's the best that I've ever been a part of. All right, next up, we're gonna go to Dave Scretta. Morning, Dan. Um, I was looking at your roster and I counted something like 22 guys that were late round draft picks or undrafted guys out of college. And obviously you're one of them. I wonder if you could go back to when you were coming out in 2014, what appealed to you about the Chiefs and why do you think Andy and, and his staff and that locker room is so good at taking guys that were overlooked and and kind of nurturing them and, and making them you know important players yeah so in, in 2014 um, I got a call from Andy the only head coach that that uh, reached out to me in the free agent process and um, that was um, that was pretty big it was um, pretty remarkable um, to get a phone call from him. And he kind of shot me straight and said that, you know, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have a good opportunity of, of making the team if I came to Kansas City. And so I believed him and and came out here. Um, but again, I think it goes along um, with the way that this organization's run. Um, it's they uh, pride themselves and we pride ourselves on our ability to, um, to trust the process and the process is, is 
proven to be successful and and they get guys that are willing to buy in and and willing to practice and put in the effort of watching film and um, doing those little things right and you can see the careers of of you know a lot of these guys that, that blossom under this this system and um, the opportunity that they give players Uh, next up, we're going to go to Sean Walker. Hey, Dan, Sean Walker from KSL out here in uh, Salt Lake City. We've been following your your career for a while for obvious reasons here at Utah. you got a lot of fans out this way. Um, and, and just being here on the stage for a second straight year, can you kind of maybe give me a little bit of insight or a little background into to what it is that – maybe building off that last question that makes Kansas city such a good fit for you personally. I mean, just in, in kind of your, your whole journey. Yeah, it was the only place I've been, um, obviously. And, uh, so I, I can't really compare it to anywhere else. Um, but, um, it's been a smooth transition, um, from my, um, days at playing at, uh, at BYU, Brigham Young university. Um, over here to, to Kansas City, um, you know the the mindset, um, you know was was very similar. I, I remember, um, you know, under the leadership of Bronco Mendenhall, you know, special teams was a was a big um, important factor that that the starters um, played a role on special teams. And so when I got here to Kansas City, um, that was my role. The the those um, kind of first years, it still is, of uh, contributing on special teams. And, um, I've kind of made my career, um, starting to do that. Um, and so that, that was something that, um, that helped me, um, transition over playing in the NFL and with Kansas city. Um, but I, I would say, uh, even more than that, just the, the locker room and the, the kind of guys that the, um, organization brings in, uh, it's a very tight knit family, um, type of environment, um, you know, we're as close as any team. Um, and, you know, um, a lot of that, you know, I think is, is a reason for the success that, that we've been able to have is how close that, that we are as a team. Right. Next, we're going to go to Adam Orduna. Hey, Dan. Uh, so kind of a fun one here. Your nickname is Dirty Dan Sorensen. Do you embrace that role and, and how do you feel that that really plays into your personality and how hard you work? Uh, you did talk about being a special teams player and, and that does require a lot of work, kind of the a blue collar role of the team. How do you embrace that and, and did, does that really carry who you are as a person? You know, the, you, you know, the nickname um, can mean a lot of uh, things to different people. Um, and um, a lot of people maybe not will never understand kind of what it means. But um, what it means to me is um, that when I step on the field, um, that I play with a lot of heart and a lot of passion, a lot of grit, uh, a lot of toughness. Um, and that's something that, yeah, that, that I try to embody in the style of my preparation, my practice, and, and the way that I play on Sundays. Okay, uh, next up, we're going to go to Brian O'Leary. Dan, uh, congratulations on your returns to Super Bowl. 
Um, just in terms of the surroundings of the game this week, with the fact that you are not travelling to Tampa until very later in the week, combined with the fact that the game is being played in the Bucks Stadium, is there a particular mindset that it feels more like a road game? Definitely, and um, you know that that's not to take away from the importance of it being the Super Bowl and and what that means to us. But as far as the preparation um, that we go about week in and week out um, over the course of the season is we're able to, to stay on that same kind of schedule and procedure without having to deal with any distractions of, you know, the traveling and, and staying in a hotel for a week. You know, we, we get to stay into our kind of our rhythm and our groove, um, continuing to do what we've done all season, which um, has proven to be successful. And so um, there is an advantage, I think, in being here, uh, being at home um, and being able to practice at our facility um, and, uh, you know, to get us ready for the Super Bowl and leaving the day before, um, you know, again, it, it's again, it's it's that routine that, that we've, um, you know, been used to all year. And hopefully we can, you know, carry that over into the Super Bowl. But again, it's it's um, you know this routine is is something that we're comfortable with. Okay, uh, next up we're going to go to Matt Derrick. Hey Dan, good morning. Hope you're doing well. Um, I wanted to go back to you know when you were coming out of BYU, um, you know undrafted free agents sometimes have an opportunity to go different places, and I'll, I'm curious just you know how many other places and options did you have for outside Kansas City, and, and how much of the BYU tie was with Andy Reid was part of coming to KC? Yeah, that's a good question. I know there was a handful of teams um, calling. You know, it's kind of a, a hectic um, time um, during the draft is, is, you know, in the late seventh round is kind of when teams start calling um, about free agency. And, and uh, so, yeah, I had several teams call you know, five or six teams um, that were interested. And again, um, you know, the only head coach that, that reached out to me was, was Coach Reed. And um, so, you know, I, I don't know how much of that was, was the, the BYU connection or, um, you know, maybe I was on their radar. I remember having kind of a, a, a close connection with um, one of the Kansas City Scouts during the combine and during my pro day. Um, and so I know that they, they were, had shown some interest. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he gives opportunities to, to guys every year, right. In, um, in free agency to, um, to try and make the team. And, um, you know, I happen to have that opportunity and, uh, I try to make the most of it. All right. Next up, we're going to go to Mark Wicker. Dan, how much has the, the team's def defensive identity changed in the last couple of years? Uh, you know, I think more and more people are recognizing what a good defensive team this is. You know, how, how different is it from when you first came? Um, so I think, I think the, the change of, of coaching staff um, really brought in um, a, a new identity. Um, to our defense with, with um, 
coach Spags and, and the rest of the defensive coaches. Um, and I think one thing that, that I can point to is, is um, some, some unity is kind of the biggest change that I've seen. Um, there's been some great defensive players that I've, that I've had the opportunity to play with over the years um, here in Kansas city. Um, but I think um, we, you know, we're really able to bring it together under um, Spagnolo and, and the other defensive coaches. And we're all, you know, really playing together well as a unit. Um, and, you know, during the year, you know, we've had guys that have been injured or up and down. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's more of a testament to the unit um, than it is to any particular player. Um, but they've done a great job establishing a culture of team first, um, this mindset that, that we're all um, kind of working together and, and, and pulling in the same direction. And um, that, that's kind of the biggest thing that I've, that I've noticed um, with them in these, in these last couple of years. And I think it's a, a big reason why that we've been able to play well um, heading into the Super Bowl. Next up, we're going to go to Joshua Allen. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? Um, you know, recently throughout the playoffs, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had a lot of success in the running game, and uh, Cameron Braid, their tight end, has come on. What steps do you guys take to kind of limit that, uh, which has become a strength for them uh, going into this game on Sunday? Yeah, I think um, it's being aware, having an awareness of um, what they're trying to do and um, – how they'd like to, you know, um, attack us uh, defensively and uh, being aware of, you know, situations. Um, you know, a lot of football comes down to situational football, um, you know, down a distance and field position and, um, you know, offensive personnel and things like that. Um, and then, you know, being aware of, of skill sets, right? You know, you, you mentioned their, their tight ends and their running backs. Um, you know, they're great. They're, they, they can do uh, multiple things, right? The, the, the running backs are, you know, they're fast, they're powerful runners, but they also can catch the ball out of the backfield. Fournette um, and, and, and Brait um, is, is, a, is a, obviously a dual threat. He can, he can block. He can also catch the ball. Um, he's a great route runner. Um, and, and Tom Brady looks for him a lot in the, in the passing game. So yeah, just an awareness, um, you know, we're going to do what we, what we do and, um, and we'll try and we'll try and be aware of, of their skill set and, and try and stop them. All right. Next up, we're going to go to Josh Dubow. Yeah, I was wondering as a DB, what's, what's the process each week of trying to figure out how much contact officials are allowing you guys in the secondary seems like it can vary week to week and, just how do you go about that? Is it sort of just a feeling out process in the, in the first quarter or scouting the, the officials beforehand? What, what do you do to figure that out? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the mentality that we like to have um, at starting any game is to kind of set the tone. And, and we, we pride ourselves on, you know, being um, a hands-on, uh, you know, physical secondary, you know, our corners play up and press coverage and, um, you know, same thing, you know, safeties and, and things like that, um, our man coverage and, and things like that, where they can, you know, put hands on, 
on the tight ends and different things. And yeah, it's just kind of, um, you know, you, you, you do your technique, the technique that, that we practice and we work on all year long. I mean, it doesn't necessarily change week to week. Um, and you let the officials do, do their job and, and do their part. And, um, you know, you, you try and play with, with good hands and good eyes and, and, you know, not get your feet beat and, uh, play in front of the man. Um, and you, you let the officials take care of the rest. All right, next up, we're going to go to uh, Grafico Sports. Hi, Dan. Um, when it comes to tackling, what is your mindset, you know, to hit really hard to whoever carries the, the ball? Uh, my second question would be, uh, could you describe your experience when you played the Chargers in Mexico City and what did it mean to you to do that uh, last interception, you know, like to seal the game? Yeah, so uh, as far as tackling goes, um, our coaches do a great job of, of trying to teach and educate proper techniques um, of how to tackle, how to approach a tackle. Um, and one thing that we preach all the time is kill the engine. And the engine is the legs of the ball carrier. If, if you can wrap up or tackle the legs of a ball carrier, um, he obviously won't be able to run. And so, um, you know, that, that's uh, kind of um, the technique that we like to use. If you try and tackle him, you know, higher up, then he can still use his legs to run and, and uh, break a tackle. Um, and your second question, I, it was an amazing experience that we had down in, in Mexico City. Um, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, a Christian mission, and I learned Spanish in Costa Rica. And so I was, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to speak Spanish and to learn the language and to love the Latin culture. And so going down to, to Mexico was, was a lot of fun for me. I had a, I had a really good time. And then to be able to seal the game um, on an interception against Philip Rivers, um, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And, and being down there in Estadio Azteca in front of um, the people of Mexico and to feel the energy and the excitement that, that there was in the stadium was, was a really cool and neat experience, something that I'll – I'll always remember. Um, and, uh, you know, just to help my team win against the Chargers, a divisional opponent uh, that had played a, a tough game against us. Um, it was a lot of fun. Okay, next up, we're going to go to Scott Petrak. Hey, Dan, I wanted to ask about Anthony Hitchens. How important is he to your defense and what does he bring to it? Yeah, so, I, you know, I like to explain um, – you know, Anthony Hitchens is, is like the, the quarterback of the defense. Um, and just as, as important as, you know, Patrick is on the offense, Anthony is to us on the defense. Um, he gets us lined up. He gets the call. He makes sure um, that um, we're in the right, you know, the right call on defense. He, there's a lot of checks that, that are on his shoulders to make as far as getting us in and out of, of different things. Um, and he's a guy that, that um, puts in the time and the effort and the work to, to prepare himself um, with his film study, studying the playbook. Uh, everything goes through that Mike linebacker position. And, um, you know, he, he leads us on, on defense. Um, 
And even with his play, I mean, he's he's an extremely physical linebacker that uh, you, you can see he loves um, contact and he's a, you know, energetic player that, that um, you know, we can rally around when he's in there and, and making tackles on running backs and, um, you know, it gets us excited and he's a big key um, for us as, as far as stopping the run. I mean, um, you know, those guys up front, the, those front seven, they do a tremendous job of, of doing their job so that guys um, in the secondary could then, you know, take care of, um, you know, our primary role, which is defending the pass. And so, um, you know, we, we lean a lot on Hitchens. He's a great leader for us. And, you know, like I said, he's the quarterback of the defense. Next up, we're going to go to Alex Ristick. Hey, Dan, how's it going? So your, your play on the field succeeds your reputation. Anyone who knows the game of football knows how special of a player you are and how important you are to this defense. But I don't think Dan Sorensen is necessarily leading the NFL in jersey sales. Why do you think it is that you don't get recognized nationally for your impeccable, gritty, and tenacious play on the field? Yeah, uh, I might give you a different answer. Um, and you know, this is kind of my personality. I, I've never been the, the player that, that necessarily enjoys um, – the attention or the limelight. I mean, it's, it's been that way since I was a kid. Um, and, um, you know, even at BYU or, you know, you know, just during my career, I, I've never really pushed or desired to necessarily be, you know, the, the, the person that gets a lot of attention for the play. I, I would actually prefer to just do my job and, and, and make my plays and, you know, do my role and, you know, I'm satisfied with that. I don't necessarily need any attention from, you know, the media or the world or anybody else, as long as, you know, I'm doing my job and um, keeping myself accountable to my teammates and my coaches. That's the only you know, people that I really care about is, um, you know, what they think and as and them knowing that that uh, that I'm giving it everything I got and, and doing my job. You know, as long as my mom and, you know, she's got her jersey or, you know, whatever, and my family and my wife and the kids and, you know, those are the people, um, you know, that I care about the most is, is, is my family and, and they give me lots of love and support and that's, that's all the, the support that I need. Next up, we're going to go to Hunter Miller. Hey, Dan, a two-part question for you. First of all, what's your relationship like with Coach Reed, obviously to BYU guys, but also to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? And also for a guy like him who's been in the league for so long and so well-respected by coaches and players, what's it like to you know see him go without a Super Bowl for so long, but now here he has a chance to go for two straight, something that hasn't been done since the early 2000s? Yeah, I think um, I have a special connection with, with um, Coach Reed. Um, and yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, you know, ties, um, to BYU and, um, but the church, it, it's, it's such a big part of my life, um, to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It defines kind of, um, who I am as a person and, and our family and the choices that I make. And I know it's the same for, for coach Reed and to be able to share, um, that much, um, with, the head coach 
um, it, it, it means a lot. And, and we've had the opportunity over the last couple of years to be able to, to share, you know, some intimate uh, moments um, with our beliefs um, that, uh, no, it, it means a lot. And uh, I'm, I'm just grateful that I've been able to be around him and, and to see the kind of man that he is um, even outside of, of football um, which is which is pretty special and not not too many people get to experience and and have a relationship with coach um, outside of the X's and O's. Um, and so and to answer your second question, it, it means a lot. I, you know, I think everybody realizes and understands the caliber of coach that coach Reed is. I mean, I don't think anybody doubts um, the the effort and the work and the success that he's had as a, as a football coach. But a lot of times, you know, a, you know, your legacy can be defined by, you know, how many Super Bowls you're able to win or different things like that. I mean, he's been doing, um, he's been, you know, operating at a, such a high level for so many years. I mean, um, that, uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of time to where he can get back to the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, you could, he's had lots of opportunities to, to get there um, in years past. And he's, he's maybe, you know, one play short, um, but, uh, you know, he's, we've been putting it together um, as a team and, um, you know, we're able to go back to back um, again, it's, it's a testament to, to who he is as a coach and the process and um, that he preaches um, and that he instills in his players. So I'm excited for him. Um, you know, everybody was excited for him last year. We're just as excited for him this year. Um, we're excited as a team to be back there again. They've done an amazing job of keeping the core of our team um, together this year. Um, and I think it's a big reason why we're back. Um, you know, why, why break up something that, um, that, that works. Right. And so, you know, they, they were able to do that, um, uh, to bring, you know, this team together again this year. And so, you know, I think, um, I think we'll, we'll have an opportunity to, to get him another ring, which will be exciting. Okay. We are going to go to Taylor Eldridge. Hey Dan, um, yeah, just a question. Uh, you know, being going undrafted and now being you know a Super Bowl champion, have a chance to you know win a second one. How crazy would that sound? You know, growing up as a kid out in California, like looking back on it now, just is is this something that you could have ever dreamed of? No, this is this was never in you know my sights um, or or realm of possibility necessarily. Um, you know, it's hard to to kind of picture that that uh that i could be in this uh position where i'm where i'm at today um but it, it, it's uh, it's pretty cool it's it's pretty exciting um to be able to to potentially walk away um after this weekend um with uh, another championship um and you know kind of the legacy that that could uh bring and um it's exciting for my family and and uh, you know my kids and to be able to, you know, have the the opportunity to to show them, you know, um, what's possible, and um, it's it's pretty cool. Right. So we have time for one more question, and we're going to go to Susie Colber. Hey, Dan. You know, so much of the game, obviously, the 
in-game adjustments, no matter what the game plan is going on, especially against Brady. What are you seeing from Spags and the other coaches, you know, to really give you confidence making the changes in-game? Yeah. Um, one thing that, that this coaching staff is um, really good at, um, and we talk about it all the time, is communication, right? It's the key to any relationship. And um, this coaching staff uh, communicates so well. They communicate from coach to coach and from coach to players and from players to coaches. You know, they're, they, they listen. They want to know um, what we're thinking, what we're, you know, um, how the game's going. Um, and we give just as much input on, you know, how things are getting played out on the field. And so they, they take all those things into consideration. They communicate and they get um, a plan together that we make adjustments on the sideline. We talk about potential adjustments during the week. Hey, look, if, if, if this is going on or we're having issues with this, um, here's what we can transition to or here's what we, how we can adjust. Um, and so we, we've got, we've, we've communicated those things even before we've gotten, um, to the game. And so when we get in the game, it's an easy, um, transition to, to make changes, um, because everybody's aware, um, of, of those things, uh, ahead of time. And again, the communication between the players and coaches, uh, we have a great understanding. And so we're able to adjust and adapt, um, very efficiently, um, when we're in game and, those are huge, right? I mean, in the in the biggest game on the biggest stage, um, you know, that's, you know, could be the the determining factor if, if we can make the adjustments um, and, you know, prove to be successful. So, um, again, the coaches do a great job um, and our players do, too. Um, you know, we are a group of guys that are willing to um, take coaching and willing to to make the adjustments. Um, and so, again, it, it goes to kind of the unit and the team that, that we have together.